Happy New Year's everyone. I hope everybody is enjoying their first few hours of 2021. But I wanted to hop on here and let you know for some reason the last 15-20 minutes of the episode that I published yesterday did not show up. So with that being said, we're blaming 2020 and enjoy the full episode of Scott and Lacey Peterson. First of all, what did you think about your birthday present? I mean, <laughs> should I just start it? So most everyone knows the Lacey and Scott Peterson case. But I want to know how many of our listeners are against Scott or for Scott. I'll let you know because I have no idea about anything about this. Well, what are you, like right now, are you pro Scott or against Scott? I didn't even heard the first line. I know, but just from what you know of the case of him murdering his wife. I don't know any of it. We'll pick a because of what you said the other night and you kicked me out I can't guess so let me find out just a teeny bit and then I'll let you know okay yep he did it (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding let me hear a little bit okay I truly have a feeling that he is going to be one of our wrongful conviction episodes that is coming up soon on our patreon page I mean, I do believe he is a lying skee-ball, like, but I don't think he's a murderer. I think he's a really crappy guy, but I don't think he's a murderer. For those that's like you, Tamara, and don't know nothing about the case, let me tell you a little bit about Lacey, and then I'll tell you about Scott, and then I'll tell you about the motive, okay? And then we'll be detectives. And then we will. Maybe they should make this as a game so everybody can figure out who did it. I feel like it's going to be like our game that you got me for Christmas. As soon as I opened up that thing, I'm like, the husband did it. Husband did it. Okay, well, let's find out. Carry on. So, Lacey was born on May 4th, 1975 to Cheryl and Dennis. She had an older brother named Brent. Then later on, she has a half-sister. Lacey was an all-American girl who cheered on her high school football team at Thomason Downey High, and she was just a beautiful, bubbly girl. At their high school, she attended Cal Poly, and I, I want to jack that name up so many times. Cal Poly, where she majored in horticulture. Dear Jesus, I practiced this word like 50 times. Horticulture. And I did a quick Google search because on the few podcasts that I listened, they're like, what is this? What is this? And I was like, I don't even know what this is. So I Googled it. It is a person that works to improve plants' growth, quality, nutrients, value, resistance. You didn't know that that's what that was? No, to insects or disease, environment, stress. They work as gardeners, growers, therapists, designers, and tech advisors in the food and non-food sector i knew it had something to do with plants but i didn't know that they were therapists to the plants what plant needs a therapist but i mean gardeners yes 
designers, yes, for Disney, but therapist? Okay, would it be this? So, you know, when you go to Lowe's and you get a plant and it'll say, like sunlight, likes <laughs> dark places, maybe that's the therapist. They figure out how they grow and how they die. Maybe. And then they're like, oh, a lot of water makes them sad. A lot of sunlight makes them happy. I just see a cactus, like, sitting on the chair. It's like, dog. This was my day. While Lacey was in school, she sometimes visited her friend who worked at a restaurant called Pacific Cafe. And that is where she met Scott in 1994. Lacey made the first mood and sent Scott her number. And she was probably thinking, come on, Zimmer. Hey, I just met you. I can't sing, so I'm not doing it in front of everybody. And this is crazy. But here's my number. Call me, maybe. <laughs> so anyways, after they met, she told her mother that Scott would be the man that she married. She was just like, yep, this is him. We've never been on a date before. Just met him. Love him. I'm marrying him. Did you not do that with Anthony? You're like, mm, yep, my sister don't like him. I'm marrying him. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that is what it was. So I was like, oh, yes, they hate each other. I'm just kidding. But it's so fun to pick at them. Let me tell you a little bit about Scotty Boy, okay? Scott was born on October 24th, 1972 to Lee and Jackie. They had six kids, to, not together, but they had six kids all together from separate marriages, okay? A little strange fact that... I'm not throwing shade to his deceased mother, but I just thought maybe this is kind of like what warped Scott into what he is if he did commit the murder. But a little strange fact was Jackie Scott's mother had four kids, okay? Her first two kids before Scott, she put up for adoption. The brother before Scott, she tried to put him up for adoption, and the I think it was like the pediatrician was like, oh, no, 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 girl. You can't keep giving up your kids. If you're going to have kids, you're going to raise your kids. So she kept the brother, met Lee, got pregnant with Scott. So I was just like, maybe that's why he, like, because Scott never wanted kids. So maybe that's why he, you know, I, eh, I don't know. But anyways, and another weird little fact was Jackie's father was also killed when she was younger, right around Christmas. He died on December 21st. He was killed at his job. Either as a customer or an employee came in and killed him. His wife did not report him missing when did. he didn't come home. So, Scott went to the University of San Diego High School where he was on the golf team. His goal in life was to become a professional golfer. In 1990, he enrolled in Arizona State University, and he got kicked off the golf team. Apparently, he, and I don't, I don't know, I don't feel like it should have been all his fault, but him and another guy, they went out drinking, and it was the not like the night before meet well the guy that he went out drinking with his father got pissed and went to the coach and was like scott took my son out drinking and scott got kicked off the team i feel like if this rules though 
the other boy was drinking. It ain't like Scott had a funnel down his throat. You never know. That's, <laughs> that's college. You might have. But they would have both got kicked off, not just the one. I feel like it might have been just Scott. I didn't hear if the other boy got kicked off. But I know well, Scott. Maybe that's just another trigger. Scott transferred colleges and he ended up in graduating at California Poly State University. He ultimately planned to major in international business, but he changed his major to agriculture business. His professors described him as the model student. So now, right now, we're like back up to where Lacey and Scott met. I think now that they're at the same school. Yes. Scott calls Lacey and they go on their first date. This is not your average first date. He took her deep sea fishing. Tamara, what would you do if you went on a date deep sea fishing? Nothing. I don't know you. You're going to throw me in the sharks. So That's Lacey, what I'm going to be thinking. Lacey gets sick, and later on, people make a big deal, and they're like, oh, well, Lacey gets seasick. I just want to make it known. I've been on deep sea fishing, and then I've just been on boats in the actual sea multiple times. And... I've only, I think, been sick once. So it's not like a, oh, you go on the sea, you're always sick type thing. As Lacey and Scott's relationship grew more serious, Scott put his dream of being a professional golfer to the side to become more of the practical family guy. The couple dated for two years and eventually moved in together. After Lacey's graduation, the couple got married on our mother's birthday. On August 9th, 1997. During Scott's last year in school, this is the first time that we know that old Scotty boy cheated. And why do you even get married if you're going to cheat? That makes no sense to me. I feel like he was just a womanizer. Like, I feel like that was him. It's just like, get married. He told the woman that he was single. He's never been married. And during this affair... I heard it somewhere, and I wish I wrote it down, but I didn't. But I think Scott kind of, like, lived with somebody closer to campus, and it wasn't them two living together type thing. Like, he, you get what I'm saying? Like, he lived close to campus, and he had a roommate. The chick that he was cheating on Lacey with, Tamara, she, like, walked in. Like, on Lacey, or on Lacey walked in on them? The Girlfriend? girl walked in on Lacey and Scott. Oh. Yeah. So that's how they found out about each other. And the one girl was like, oh, like, crying, he's cheating on me. And the roommate's like, oh, no, he's not cheating on you. He's cheating on her with you. Like, that makes it any better. But, yeah, I was just like, oh, snap, crackles, and pop. Scott and Lacey worked everything out, and then he cheated again. The next woman he told he was getting a divorce, and then she busted him at the college graduation when Lacey was there supporting her husband, who was graduating. It was like, mm-hmm, thought y'all was getting a divorce. So, yeah. But she was so happy for him. <laughs> I can't. After Scott graduated with his degree, the two wanted to open a sports bar. Guess what they called it? This the would be... Tuna Luna. No, not the Tuna Luna. This the, not be... the pretty tuna. <laughs> <laughs> not the pretty tuna. This would be something I would call a restaurant or bar that I opened. The shack? The shack. 
But at first, the place was not popping at all. Business was just, nah. His family was just like, you shouldn't have done it. You shouldn't have done it. But eventually, it started to pick up pace. They were actually making money. And then they decided to sell the restaurant, I think, after two years of owning it. Because they wanted to move closer to Lacey's family in Modesto and start a family. So on October 4th, 2000, they purchased a three-bedroom, two-bath house for $177,000. And you almost didn't know how to say that. You tried really hard. (laughs) I saw your face. I had to think. Yeah. You would have said (laughs) $17,700. But do you want to know a little fun fact? When they sold this house the first few times, guess how much? The few t- times. How many times they sell a house once it's sold, it's done. You don't get to sell it again. You sell it again, and then you sell it again, and you sell it again. You know, shut up. After the murders happened, this house sold in July of 2005. Are you talking about after she died? After she died. Somebody bought it. Somebody bought it. For $390,000. Why? Because she died in it? We don't know if she died in it. I don't know nothing about this story. But I'm just kind of comparing it to the, um, the, what, Chris Watts story. So. 390000 They got it for, I mean, I don't know where the money went and who got the money. But. They bought it for a hundred and what seventy seven did I say? So nearly twenty two hundred thousand more. Yeah. And then it was sold again in two thousand seven. And then once again in two thousand thirteen. And then that time it was only for a hundred and eighty. <laughs> like all the woohoo, it's a murder house. Shine right. has it, not faded, I guess. Was it haunted? I don't know if it's haunted. I ain't heard no rumors that it's haunted. I ain't wanted to live in no haunted house. So the first person only lived there for two years, and then the next person for six years. Mm-hmm. I don't know. If it was haunted, they might not have lasted two years. <laughs> or maybe it's they immediately moved out, but it took that long to sell. Why else would it drop that much? I just think it's, at first, everybody bought it up because it's like, ooh, this is Scott and Lacey's house. I wouldn't it? want it. That'd make me not want it. You know, there's some crazy people out there that won't. Yep, you crazy. Know. I mean, it would be cool to own, like, a famous house in a way, but I wouldn't want people coming by, like, taking pictures and, you know, you know what I'm but saying? that's what they're still doing to the Chris Watts house. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm like... I want to be in the woods where nobody sees where I live. Nobody around me. So, after they moved, Lacey got a part-time job as a substitute teacher. And Scott got a job at Tradecore USA, which is a newly founded fertilizer company. But in 2002, Lacey and Scott got the exciting news that they were welcoming a baby boy into their family. Lacey was due between February 10th and 16th of 2003. And the couple done decided that they were going to name this little boy Connor. I'm going to go ahead and introduce Amber now. 
because in the kind of like timeline we're doing it in, she pops up before everybody else finds out about her, okay? Okay. So this is the only part of the story that I'm like, for sure, 100%, like it happened. I don't know. Like, I just, this part is really crappy. It's really slumbally of them. But this is the only part that I know for sure, without a doubt, he did, he did, he did. So on October 2002, he went to a business conference and Scott met this girl named Sean Sibley. Scott told her that he was single and wanted to meet someone and that his name tag should just say horny. <laughs> yes, Tamara, his name tag should just read horny. Like that's going to meet any attractive person. Yes. And I wish the people could see your bug eyes because, and I'm just like, was his friend downstairs lonely because Lacey pregnant self was not giving him none because why else? Would you wear a name tag that says, hey, I'm horny. How you doing? Because they probably think that's slick, but if anything, it's like, ew, stay away from me. So, Sean tells Scott that she's like, oh, I have a BFF that would be great for you. She's blonde. She's beautiful. She's independent. She's a massage therapist. And with it, she didn't say this, but I'm just implying this. She must have been like, Shadam, if you're like, hey, my name tag should be horny because really or really. Scott contacts Sean's friend Amber in early November. The two pick a date later on in the month to meet. And this would start their six week affair. I personally thought this affair was much longer than six weeks. And they only hung out like four times. And each time they hung out, they womp chicka womp 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 womp. So on November 20th, Scott and Amber met for their date. They met at a bar. They had champagne. They had strawberries. And then they went to a Japanese restaurant afterwards. After dinner, they went to a karaoke bar. They sang. They slow danced. And then they just hung out until the bar closed. Then the two went back to Scott's hotel room. Sometime between their first date and Thanksgiving, Scott meets Amber's daughter, who is 20 months old at the time. Scott tells Amber that he's not going to be spending Thanksgiving with her because he's going fishing in Alaska, which means, a.k.a., he's having Thanksgiving in Modesto with his wife. So the new relationship between Scott and Amber continued to grow. They shared deep conversations about their life and feelings. And then Scott told Amber that he's never been married, okay? That plays a huge... That's the fall for somebody and then try to get married. <laughs> and you can't because you're already married. On December 6, 2002, Amber's best friend, Sean, somehow finds out that Scott is indeed married. And she threatens to tell Amber. And Scott's like, no, please don't. I'll tell her. Da, 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 da. And what does Sean want for him to be black, heard blackmailing? I know you're married. Tell her. Tell her. So Scott explains to Sean that he had lost his wife and it was difficult for him to talk about it. But he would tell Amber. So on December 9th, he tells Amber that he was married, but his wife is lost. And that this is going to be the first Christmas alone. Why? Because he kills her on Christmas Eve? 
So on December 14th, Scott and Amber attend a Christmas party where this famous picture goes viral after the fact. When Amber becomes into the Scott and Lacey saga of this trial, this picture was plastered on every single magazine. This is where... Amber basically introduced Scott to everyone as her boyfriend and was like, hey, this is my boyfriend. This is my boyfriend. So now we're going to like fast forward to 24 hours before Lacey disappears. So on December 23rd, 2002, around 5.45 p.m., Lacey and Scott went to Amy's salon and Amy is Lacey's half-sister. So Amy cuts Scott's hair like she does each month. Scott offers to pick up a fruit basket that Amy ordered for their grandfather for his Christmas present because Scott was going to be in the area playing golf the next day. After she finishes cutting Scott's hair, they invite her over for pizza, but Amy declines because she already had plans. I don't know what time on the 23rd, so at some point on the 23rd, the Peterson's housekeeper, Margarita, comes over, cleans the house, and she says, Lacey looked the same. She was just tired from shopping, and otherwise, she looked the same as she did the other three times that she went to their house to clean. Lacey talks on the phone with her mother, Sharon, around 8.30 that evening. They discuss what they're going to do for Christmas Eve dinner. After she gets off the phone, they get in bed, they watch TV, and then they fall asleep. The next morning is the day that Lacey is reported missing. The only true accounts that we have is what Scott says. So I guess it could be held with a grain of salt. You know, like, if you do believe what he's saying or if you don't believe what he's saying. But he said that morning started around 7, 7.30 when Lacey got up and ate breakfast. He said he got up about an hour later and then shortly after getting up, Lacey tells him all the things that she's got to do throughout the day. She's going to make a Christmas casserole brunch. She's going to bake some cookies. And then she's going to walk their dog, Mackenzie. Lacey and Scott watch her favorite show, Martha Stewart. And she's like, Martha Stewart is like her inspiration. She wants to become like a good cooker. Well, I think she was a good cooker. Mind me, Paula Dean. <laughs> she just, she loved, well, I guess Paula Dean wasn't a thing then. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But she just, like, she could cook, she could decorate, you know, just she wanted to be all the things that Martha Stewart was. What about going to jail? Maybe not that much. <laughs> <laughs> Everything but the bar. Maybe that was before that part. <laughs> so Lacey started mopping the floors while Scott starts loading his truck with umbrellas from the back patio. A neighbor saw him and waved as he was loading the truck. And after he got done, he left the house. So, originally, he was going to go play golf, but he thought it was too cold, so he decided to go fishing instead. So, Scott drove up to his building, which was about 10 minutes from their house. And this building is basically kind of like Anthony's shop that he had. He was able to store all his tools. He had his boat and everything in it. But this place, he kind of worked out of it, too, so he had an office and a computer. So Scott checks his voicemail at 10.08, which was from his boss. When he got to the building, he logs onto the computer, and police have records of him being on his computer from 10.30 to 10.56. 
he sends an email to his boss replying to the voicemail that he received. He looked up how to put together this new tool he got, and then there's about 20 minutes where Scott is unaccounted for. And there's two theories here. I want you to determine what you think he was doing in these 20 minutes. So there's A, he was putting together this new tool that he bought after he looked up how to do it, which this tool was put together, or B, he was wrapping Lacey's body and putting her into the boat. What do you think? Well, he learned how to kill her and then wrap her and then put the tool together. If you look it up how to do it and then you go back later to investigate this shop and the tools put together, more likely that's what he was doing those 20 minutes. So during this time, we assume Lacey leaves the house and is walking Mackenzie in the park a few blocks away from her house. I'm going to go more into details about her being spotted later, okay? But one of the neighbors saw Mackenzie walking around the neighborhood with just her leash. Karen Serva said around 10:18 she saw the dog walking along, so she placed the dog in their, their fenced-in backyard. The mailman took note that when he went to their house, the dog was not barking and the gate was open. His scan of the area fit the time frame when people saw Lacey later on. So, Scott drives to the Berkeley Marina, and it's about an hour, hour and a half drive from his building. So, a good distance to this marina where he's going to go fishing. He got a boat ramp parking ticket at 12.54 and was unloading and fishing from 12.55 to 2.11. People seen him loading and unloading his little bitty small john boat. And do you remember the replica of the boat when we went to Beyond the Lands? Yeah, a little canoe thing. Yeah, it's a little bitty canoe. I mean, it's not a canoe, but it's a john boat. A little bitty fishing boat. But to show how small it is, a canoe. It's Yeah, it's tiny. So, on his way back from fishing, he calls and leaves Lacey a message on the answer machine. And I'm going to play that clip right now, okay? Hey, beautiful. I just left a message at home. Uh, 2.15. I live in Berkeley. I won't be able to get to Vela Farms to get that basket for Papa. I was hoping you would get this message and uh, go on out there. I'll see you in a bit. We love you. Bye. But basically, he's calling Lacey saying, hey, I'm headed back from Berkeley. And he's not going to be able to pick up the basket. He gets back to the house around 4.30, 4.45 after he drops the boat off at the building. When he first arrives at the house, he noticed the door was unlocked and Lacey wasn't at home, but her car was in the driveway. At first, she's thinking it's Christmas Eve, so she's probably shopping or she's helping set up dinner with her family and they picked her up. No big deal. So afterwards, he's kind of cleaning up. He eats cold pizza, has a glass of milk with his pizza which i'm like oh who eats pizza and milk uh you know i can barely see because i don't have my glasses on where it says eats i thought it said cats <laughs> i'm like that's gross he eats cats he eats cold cats so he dumps the mop water and then he gets in the shower and then he throws his clothes in the washing machine I hear our washing machine going as I say that. So this is a big thing for all the Scott haters. 
they question why did he clean up and why was he washing his clothes? And as I say, the washer machine is going, I did not start that. So that means my husband has started it. And of like, my clothes were washed whenever I got home. So it's just like, I don't understand why everybody's like, why did he wash his clothes? Well, he was fishing. Why would he leave a message and it not sound suspicious? That's the biggest thing for me. Like, if you did something, why would you leave a message and seem completely fine? The next few things, if Scott had nothing to do with it, he was probably feeling a little uneasy because he found their dog in the backyard with her leash on it. And then he heard the voicemail that he left for Lacey. So it's kind of like, okay, so she never heard my voicemail. So she has no clue, you know, and then why in the world is our dog in the backyard with its leash still attached to the dog? It's kind of, kind of weird. Today's episode is brought to you by Naked Nutrition. Naked provides you with pure protein powders and supplements to help you meet your nutrition and fitness goals. Naked is completely transparent about their ingredients. That way you know exactly what is going into your body. No additives mean your body is getting more of what it needs. And I suggest that you go check out the peanut butter powder. Girl is loving her some peanut butter shakes right now. And right now you can get 10% off your first purchase at NakedNutrients.com by using our code POD. That's 10% off using our code POD for first-time customers. Take your nutrition to the next level with Naked Nutrition. Scott sees that he has two messages on the answer machine. The first one was from him that we played a little bit ago. And then the second one was from her stepdad saying, hey, can y'all bring some whipped cream over whenever you come because we don't have any for the pies. Scott starts thinking, if they're calling Scott and Lacey to bring whipped cream, more than likely Lacey's not with her parents. So Scott decides to call her parents around 5.15 to ask them if Lacey was over there. And once they say no, he says something that people completely, like, judged him over. So Tamara, Keenan is supposed to be at your house. I want, I want to know what you would say in this scenario. Keenan is supposed to be at the house. You come home. He's missing. His car's there. We're going to pretend like your in-laws don't live hours and hours away. You call them and ask them, hey, is Keenan here? Like, did y'all come pick him up? And they say no. What would you say next? I'll call you right back and call every single one of his friends. Scott says... Lacey's missing and everyone jumped well I guess it's a different scenario for to be a girl missing rather than a guy missing but yeah I would already be panicking that something happened but I didn't been checking to see if his friends done picked him up or something but (laughs) but if it was the other way around yeah I'd be saying something's wrong that's what he says. He says, Lacey's missing. And everybody's like, how do you know Lacey's missing? What? <laughs> how, how do you know? And I'm like, I would say, like, me just thinking, like, if I couldn't find Bray, I'd be like, Bray's missing. Bray's gone. Like, Bray's been in our yard between our house and my in-law's house, and I can't find him. And then I tell Anthony, Bray's missing. Knowing good and well, he's not, like, 
missing. He's just, I can't find him. And it's kind of like a remote. If you can't find it or your cell phone, you're like, my phone's missing. I lost it. It's missing. So people thought it was a little fishy that Scott didn't call 911 himself. But I feel like from the tone that her stepdad used, if Scott would have called with that same like cool demeanor, he would have got crucified. You know what I mean? It's like her stepdad, of course, was worried, but he didn't present himself like as a worried tone. It was just kind of like, hey, my daughter's missing. The dog came home, but she didn't come home. But I just feel like Scott would have been crucified even more if that was him. So police arrive at 6.50 and the first detective on the scene was Al Brocchini. And every time I see this name, I want to say broccoli. (laughs) He met Scott at the park and Brocchini asked him to come back to the house. And Scott let him look around the house, just kind of walk around, do what he needed inside the house without a warrant at this time. Like Scott let him in the house willingly, okay? So nothing was really out of place in the house, but Brokini said Scott was not acting like a grieving husband whose wife was missing. He wasn't overworried. He wasn't upset. He was making sure that when cops got a drink, if they set it down, that they were used in a coaster. And everybody was like, that's odd. Whenever they were, I guess, outside of the house, he was getting kind of like worried if they were too close to the plants because the weekend before Lacey went missing he planted a bunch of flowers for her since she was pregnant and couldn't like really do it herself so he was all like watch 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 those plants don't step on the plants don't do this don't do this and then the next thing I'm like this is so of Anthony thing when the detectives was looking in the cars the doors like when they open one was too close to the other so it kind of like was touching So Scott put a glove in between the door that was open and then the other car. So it'd make a nick and the cops were like, oh no, there's something out with him. Like no grieving husband would worry about scratching the other car. And I'm like, whenever I watch. If you're like that, then you're like that. And it ain't going to change nothing. (laughs) That's what I was saying. Like me and Anthony watched the document. Well, I watched it. I kept like running into the room but I feel like even when I was grieving with daddy I'm still like hey can I put your drink on the coaster <laughs> you're gonna put rings on you know it's yeah still, you don't want things to be messed up but that's one more thing that you're worried about you know so it's like and then I heard somewhere it's you're under like he played golf so in with sports you learn how to do stuff under pressure and like routine like to do a certain thing under pressure. So if that was his normal routine of, you know, using a coaster or taking care of plants, which he, you know, agriculture went to school for that, you know, he was big into cars. That would be just like second nature to him. But everybody else was like, that's weird. And I told Anthony, I'm like, if I wouldn't miss it. Yeah. <laughs> that's weird. Told Anthony, I was like, if I went missing and they were searching our cars, you would be out there with a glove. And he just like started laughing. I'm like, because you know it's true. He's big into his car. For me and Keenan, I'd be like, can you not dent my car? (laughs) I got enough in him. Okay, don't hit it. So during the search of the house, they found Lacey's keys, wallet, sunglasses, 
in her purse in a closet. And I don't know if like she kept her purse in a closet at all times or if that was just in a weird spot. I mean, I don't carry a purse, so I wouldn't know if people put purses in closets or not. But in the kitchen, they found a phone book that was open to defense lawyers. I'm like, little Fisher Fisher. Also, the same night that they did the search of the house, Brokini and a few other officers went to the building to see if he truly did have a fishing boat. Because no one knew he had a fishing boat. So he purchased this small John boat on December night, the same year that Lacey went missing for $1,400. I saw somewhere, and I don't know how true it is, that he purchased this boat as a Christmas surprise, not a Christmas present, but a Christmas surprise for his father-in-law because his father-in-law was like a huge fisherman, Scott, not so much. And the only two people that knew about this boat was Lacey and Scott. So Scott went in and did an interview from midnight till 1 a.m. The officers asked him, how was his marriage? Scott said they were happily married. They asked them, what did they do that morning? And Scott kind of like went into details of what I already said. You know, he got up. She told him his plans. They watched Martha Stewart. She made some type of meringue thing. And then Lacey mopped the ha- or was mopping, and he left the house a little before 10. Detectives immediately launched a search. Bueller said, I suspected Scott from when I first met him. I was a little thrown by his cool and calm demeanor. His lack of questioning, like, will you call me back? Can I have your card? And what are you guys doing now? Like, you don't have to. To like ask these questions, I feel like either. Like I figured you'd keep me in the loop. Exactly. That's your job. Exactly. They asked Scott if he would take a polygraph test originally. First of all, I think it'd be more suspicious. Like, what now? What are you going to do now? What is it? You know, instead of being like, okay, you know, and just go instead of letting them do their job, and you kind of like sit back, and it's like, how do I need to cover my? So they originally asked Scott if he would take a polygraph test. Originally, Scott said yes and agreed to take it. I think he wanted to take it like the next day because, you know, granted he was in there at midnight. He said yes, but by the time he got home, his parents were like, no, whatever you do, do not take a lie detector test. Because if you take it and there's just a hankling that you could have lied or fudged, they're going to be all over that. But if you tell the truth, nobody's gonna know it's not you know gonna help you in any way like you can't use this in court so Uh, so that's why everybody denies the polygraph test Mm -hmm. because it's basically just a thing to see like what would you say it's not gonna help you either way but i feel like it's it's suspicious if you say no it it, it, like why not it makes you look more suspicious but if Say I had to take one now because Anthony's supposedly missing or something. If I had a feeling of- For the record, it wasn't me. It's it's not the wife this time. It's the sister-in-law. I had a hinkling that's like, I know he's not here, but maybe he could be here. And they asked me, do you know where your husband's at? And I said, no, but I kind of had a feeling that maybe, you know, it could show that I was, you know, being deceptive. And that would flag it and I would fail. And so it's just like, it's, it's not going to help you. It's only going to hurt you. 
Bueller said the first person that you focus an investigation on is the closest person to the victim and then the last person to see the victim well they got scott in both of these scott was the closest and scott was supposedly the last so they're like all eyes on scott this is the part that i do not know exactly when this the last person being the person that saw her walking we'll get to that in a minute just 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 remember that but this part that i'm about to tell you i don't know exactly when it happened there's no i mean i I don't know i did not see exact day i didn't see exact time i just heard like oh my gosh scott did this but supposedly scott ordered the playboy channel before lacey went missing not a big whoop-de-doo he watching some dirty channels, blah, 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 blah. If, if he's watching channels and not cheating, I guess a little bit of props to him. But supposedly he ordered more hardcore after she went missing. And everybody was just like, oh, he killed her because she was going to see the bill. And I'm like, really? Seriously, that's why? Yeah. That's fine? That's why. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I was like, okay. <laughs> All righty then. Not because of Bill. <laughs> so the next day, over 900 of Lacey's friends, family, and just people of the community came out and searched for her in the streets. Also at this time, the street that they lived on was lined up with media. Like, they were out one person said that she could not stay in her house because one media was blocking it and two they had lights during the night shining on scott's and Lacey's house so it's like the light was shining into her room and she's like i couldn't even sleep she's like it was just ridiculous so they set up a headquarters at a local hotel they searched by boat, bike, horse, and then after dark, they used helicopters with searchlights to keep the search going constantly. They received lots and lots of tips of sightings of Lacey walking her dog. Over 20 people reported seeing Lacey on the 24th. And Tamara, since we already said just hold your horses, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you now. Maybe just a hand few, like Little, little sprinkle sprinkle of those 20 do they actually follow up with if they said oh i seen lacy at this time they're like oh no we're gonna automatically cross you out because karen said she put the dog in the fence by 10 18 there's no way you seen lacy so they went by what time karen said and used her time that she came up with as set in stone time but anybody else was just like, oh, I seen her walk in the dog at 1025. It's like, oh, nope, couldn't have been you. Couldn't, nope, not Lacey. It was Karen. Karen did it. On December 26, detectives went to Scott's house to do a formal search. They wanted to collect evidence, look for blood splatter, check for fingerprints. And what we hear from the media is Scott just flat out denied. Like, no, you're not searching my house what because they're gonna find fingerprints of both of them (laughs) so scott's family says scott was okay with it scott already let them search the house once the day of 
her going missing. Scott was okay with it. He had a lawyer at the time. So he wanted to clear with the lawyer because the cops wanted him to sign the document. And Scott was unaware of what his signature on this document meant. So he's like, let me clear with my lawyer. Let me see what he says. As soon as I hear back from them, if he says it's good to go, then y'all come on in and search the house. Well, his lawyer did not get in contact with him soon enough. And by five o'clock, the cops served a warrant. Detectives told him, we basically just wanted to see what you would do and say more than we really wanted to search your house. So during the search, they removed both cars, two computers, and then they searched the shop and found a single strand of Lacey's hair on a rusted pair of pliers. Yeah, but she lived there. That's like you going to Anthony's shop and some hair residue falling on some I know. Oh my gosh. I shed. Like there's, I haven't been to your house in forever and I probably got like five strands of hair loose in your house. Yeah, I probably got a whole wig full of yours. So then a possible break in the case happens. The house across the street from the Petersons was broken into. And I mean, like, the house across the street. Not, like, down the street, across the street. Like, right, right in front of them. The Medinas left their house to go out of town for Christmas on Christmas Eve morning around 10.30 a.m. I don't know about you, but I feel like this family's time frame of when they said they left the house is more rock solid than Karen's not saying Karen lied or Karen was wrong or whatever but I just have a feeling like when you're going on vacation and you're trying to like beat traffic or be at this place at a certain time you have like a time frame of we need to be out the door by whatever time say five o'clock so it's like if you're getting close to that time you're like all right hurry hurry we gotta go we gotta go we gotta you know be at the door we gotta be here da, 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 da. so I feel like them knowing what exact time they left the house is more solid than when Karen put the dog in the fence yeah you know but I'm saying rounded it up or rounded it down and was like oh it was roughly about two o'clock but it was like 135 <laughs> So I just I just feel like their time frame was maybe a little a little more accurate than Karen's. Who knows? I just I just feel like that way. When they came back to their house on the 26th after 4 p.m., they realized they're safe and a few other things was missing from their house. After it got out that their house was broken into, one of their neighbors came forward. Diane Jackson walked outside, grabbed a cop that was on the street, and was like, hey, um, I need to tell you something. <laughs> and she told the cop, she said, on December 24th, I was on my way home when I went by Rudy's and Susan's house around 1130. I saw people on the lawn in a van. And I noticed it because they turned around and looked at me weird. I thought, hmm, that's weird. But I didn't put it together until a neighbor said that the Medinas came home and their house was burglarized while they were gone. I think this happened on the 24th. We have a neighbor who seen the burglars or the suspicious people breaking into the house, okay? 
So four days later on that that stuff is irrelevant. We're not going to use that for the case. Okay, move along. That's that's a house that was burglarized. We're not going to we're not going to deal with that. That's that's irrelevant. That's basically what they said, Tamara. Oh, I didn't even put them in notes. Let let me tell you. Okay, so on January 3rd, police made an announcement that they had found the individuals who broke into the house. Detective Doug, I don't even know how to say his last name, Doug R., said the men were booked late Thursday and we arrested Stephen Todd and Glenn Pierce. And within days of interviewing these two individuals, the police ruled out that they were involved. They said the suspects told us that the, this robbery took place between 4 a.m. and 7 a.m. on December 26th. And Lacey was reported missing about six o'clock. If if I'm guilty, I'm gonna be like, look, it was this time, so it couldn't have been me. Exactly. Okay, so I I'm gonna play the clip here and of what they said, like right after I think it was like about to be interviewed with a cop or something or another. But it's crazy. When it picked up the safe and took it to my house, and that's all that I had to do with it. I had nothing to do with that. That is just I guess like I didn't have nothing to do with that pregnant woman. Sure you did, buddy. Sure. But remember, Tamara, by the 25th, the street was lined with people searching and media. Do you not think they would notice if the house across the street, literally across the street, was being broke into? It probably could have been on camera too. Mm-hmm. Watch it that long enough. So it's like everybody's just like, really? Really now, cops? So now we're going to jump back to Amber. And this is where she becomes huge in this case. So it wasn't until December 30th that a friend showed Amber an article about Lacey's disappearance. And this is when she found out that Scott was married because this article basically like just describes everything about Scott. It says what job he had, what car he drove, just any detail you would need to know about Scott Peterson, this article had. Amber calls the Modesto Police Department and was just like, um, I'm dating Scott. I'm, um, you know, kind of like, I, I need to speak to someone. So the next day, she was able to meet Detective Al Brocchini and Detective Bueller. So they asked her, like, hey, are you willing to wear a wire and record your conversations with Scott? And she's like, yeah, I'll do it. So they go to Radio Shack. Do you remember Radio Shack? (laughs) Yeah, a long, long time ago. (laughs) A long, long time ago. Get it hooked up and they're, like, going over, like, how to work it. Scott calls. And they're like, what? Dum, dum, dum. <laughs> so the next day on December 31st, a vigil was held for Lacey at 4.30 p.m. And here's hu- two really huge things that happens here. One is there's a photo that was taken with him and his niece. And it's like they're crouched down at, I think they were like putting a candle down. And he's smiling. 
everyone like just ate that up. It's like, oh, you're at your wife's vigil and you're smiling, blah, 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 blah. Like how horrible can you be? And his family. To be fair at daddy's memorial, when it was snowing and you took the picture, I'm pretty sure I was smiling in the picture. It's a picture. Yeah. And of course, like the paparazzi is going to take it at the worst moment, you know? They're not going to take it when you're crying unless you're doing like an ugly uh, face. That's when they'll take it. <laughs> so his, his sister, yeah, I think it's his sister. Yeah, his sister said, that was my daughter. They were sharing just a sweet moment, you know. And he, basically, he's probably just putting on a brave face for the kid because you're not going to be like, <laughs> in front of your your niece you know then the next thing that scott does is he sneaks away and he makes a phone call to amber at his wife's vigil and we have that phone call right here hey happy new year so i'm to call you i'm uh, near the eiffel tower new year's celebration is unreal the crowd is huge amber miss you i'll see Okay, so basically he's telling Amber that he's in Europe at the Eiffel Tower celebrating New Year's with some friends. And that's basically what that is. It's like there was bad reception. He's like, I'm sorry. You know, it's like, I'm here. It's a great time. Wish I could be with you. Blah, 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 blah. But he's telling her that he's in Paris. Yeah, Paris. So during this time, Lacey's family is defending Scott and telling everyone that he had nothing to do with it. But at the same time, the media is trying to pin another missing person on him. Yes, Tamara. They tried to pin another person. So back when Scott was in college, a girl named Kristen Smart went missing. And they tried to link Scott to her disappearance. I'm just like, what? Why? Like, how did y'all even, like, put that together? This like, oh, they went to the same college. I bet you he had something to do with it. There was a cold case. They're trying to catch him any way they can. In case they find out he's innocent, they got him another way. <laughs> so then on December 6th, Scott calls Amber, and he tells her that he lied once again. He tells her that his wife was never lost. But she's now missing. And I wish I had the clip to that. And I'm tr I'll try to find it later and add it in if I can. But she, she kind of gets a little like, okay, Scott, like, how did she go missing? Like, could you predict the future? And I'm like, oh, girl, look at you. But she kind of busts his balls a little bit there. an explanation of why you told me you'd lost your wife and this was the first holidays you'd spend without her? This has to be the biggest coincidence I've ever heard of. I mean, are you psychic? You predicted your wife would be missing? How did you lose her then, before she was lost? There are different kinds of loss, Amber. Then explain your loss. I, I can't. Then on the next press conference they held on January 24th, it shocked everyone, Tamara. Everyone. 
I, I'm like speechless even trying to think of this. So I was watching a documentary and they're showing news clips and they're like talking about the war and everything and they're like breaking news and go to this. And I have like a little clip here and it's just like, really? Like this is that big of breaking news? We start off with Iraq tonight, and as we forge ahead, uh, we deal with the reality of what the next week or so may bring, and it may bring clear signs of whether the nation is going to war. We'll talk to the country on Tuesday. I want to not war with America. The uh, press conference in Modesto is about to begin. We'll go there now. First of all, I want to thank you for your patience. So the news is in the middle of talking about us going to war and what's happening in the war, and they're like, oh, the press conference is starting. Let's switch over and see what's happening. Wait, to be fair, if you went missing and people are trying to find you, would you want to be more important than the war or no? Okay, then. Yes. Okay, then. The only reason I feel like this was important is because Amber was about to be announced. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So Amber comes out and they announce that Scott's had an affair. That's what interrupted the war. Because they're like, look, he ain't so innocent. See, we've been trying to tell you. He's a sleazy scumball. So she walks out and drops the bombshell that her and Scott had been together. Then she leaves the room and everybody's like, what? But police did pull her parents and brother out of the room and let them know, like, right before. So, at least they wasn't completely blindsided by hearing it at the press conference. So, they had a little heads up. But whenever they told her parents that Scott had an affair, she supposedly said, oh, this is just what Brokini and Bueller said, that she said, why does Scott have to kill her? After Amber came forward, Scott was like, and he decided that he is going to finally do an interview because he has not did an interview. He has not been really on TV or anything because beforehand he was trying to stay hidden so Amber wouldn't find out that, you know, he was married. What, now they broke up? And she was like, let me just go ahead and put some seasoning on this. <laughs> Scott said that he tried to stay out of the spotlight, but that was just making things worse. I want people to look for Lacey. But if you want to look at me as a suspect, that's fine. But just continue to look for Lacey as you do that. So, he did four interviews, a few with the local news anchors, and then one with Diane Sawyer on April 24th. He sat down with Diane, and he said that he never lied about the affair. He said what was asked was, was your marriage good? And since he still loved Lacey, he said, yeah, it was still good. He just shot away from, my marriage is good, but I'm having an affair. I'd kill him. <laughs> so she's like, 
I mean, we're happily married. It's just, yeah, I got a got got another woman too. Yeah, no, absolutely <laughs> not. But the moment that Scott dug his own grave was and basically sealed his fate was when he said, "We took care of each other very well." She was, I mean, is amazing. Everyone who was watching this interview probably could not tell you anything he said afterwards because everyone was stuck on the word was yeah but if you went missing is ain't the factor because is ain't happening right now was happening (laughs) well everybody was thinking like oh how he knows she did like not necessarily mean she's dead it's just meaning there ain't nothing going on right now because she's missing so she's roughly missing for a month at this time Connor's due date comes and goes and there's no sight of Lacey or Connor absolutely nothing happens in March and then April comes along On April 13, a couple was walking their dog along the San Francisco Bay when they found a male infant. The infant's umbilical cord was still attached, and it looked like it was torn. He had a piece of electrical tape on his ear and then wire string material wrapped around his neck. The next day, miles away, a body of a pregnant torso washed up. It was a body wearing beige pants and a maternity bra, and the body was missing most of the limbs in her head. One thing, and I don't think I put it in there later, some people, and I kind of I think this is possibly true, believes that Connor was removed from the body before like the water because how can you get electrical tape on your ear like if you're in the water that's how is tape going to stick to your ear that's what i was thinking that's kind of odd so on april 18th the dna results came back confirming that the bodies were lacy and connor peterson before they released the information something bad happens during this time Scott was being followed, okay? Scott was being tapped. His phone was tapped. He was being followed. And, I mean, they just wanted to keep an eye on him. So, it was Good Friday. Scott was supposedly going to go golfing with his family. They just wanted, you know, just a little bit of normalcy. You know, they have media following them everywhere they go. Like, everything they do is just being, you know, picked at. They just wanted a little ounce of normalcy. It's a holiday weekend. Just just, just something. You know, just a little normal. So he's driving down this road, headed to the golf course. He thinks reporters are following him. So he calls his brother and says, Hey, I'm not going to be able to go golfing. Like I, I can't have media snapping pictures of me. And I'm going to play a clip of that phone call, okay? I don't want the media taking pictures of me playing golf, you know, just some 
extra fuel to the fire. So he pulls into the golf course and the cops turn on their lights and then Scott is arrested. But what everyone hears at this Wait moment, a minute. Wait a minute. If he tells them that he can't play, then why is he still going? The documentaries that I watched, he's driving around forever trying to lose the cops or what he thinks is the media. And the cops do say that he was driving reckless trying to get around them. But Scott and his family said, you know, after driving around so so long, he just said bump it and then eventually went to the golf course. It wasn't like a straight go there. It's just he rode around, tried to avoid them, and then... Well, that's suspicious. When he gets pulled over and we hear that he's arrested media goes crazy and they say Scott is fleeing to Mexico in a red Mercedes who is going to flee to Mexico in a red Mercedes he had a like I think a white pickup truck why would you out of all things flee to Mexico in is a red like look at me now Mercedes would you not flee in your truck no because everybody knows that truck but a red Mercedes is not like, hey, look at me. They said he dyed his hair blonde. He had four cell phones. He had his brother's ID, different debit cards in his family member's name, camping gear, Viagra, $15,000. Why didn't he go need Viagra? <laughs> well, some of these things that have reasonings why he has that one, I don't have a reasoning for but i think we know why he had it um he had changes of clothes a pair of boots and also a picture of him and lacy everyone on every station was announcing scott is running to mexico because the bodies were found his family said they had reasonings for some of these things so he had his brother's ID because he was using it to get a discount at the golf course. Because, like, if you were a resident of the town, you got a discount. So that's why he was using that. He had blonde hair to hide from the media. But cops knew that he had the blonde hair and a goatee. But, you know, like, he talked to the cops with this. But they never made out, like, oh, we knew Scott had blonde hair and a goatee it was just kind of like oh scott done dyed his hair scott done grew a beard and he flew to mexico and they said the reason why and, mercedes. He, and i'm a mercedes and the reason why he had extra clothes in his car is because he was basically like living out of his car he was staying in san diego with his family but then he was going back and forth to modesto for the disappearance so it's like he was kind of like living in his car, you know, traveling back and forth. So it's like he had extra clothes and shoes and stuff. And then the cash was from his mom, Jackie. She borrowed money from his account and then she paid him back the day before. And there's proof of like the transactions, like the transaction, I guess, coming out of Scott's and then the transaction from her bank account. But since it was Good Friday, more likely the banks were closed. And that's why he still had the cash. So, first thing that Scott says is, tell me it wasn't Lacey and Connor. 
And Brokini, being, I feel like he's just somebody I would not like as a cop. He says, I mean, you know it's already them. He's asking you, like, was it them? Scott was being arrested and charged with two felony counts of murder, premeditation, and special circumstances. His family and defense is waiting to see what evidence they had against Scott. When they, like, found out what evidence that they had against Scott, do you know what it was? He dyed his hair. Oh. <laughs> She's like, oh. Like, they had nothing. They had no, no evidence whatsoever. None. So, they decided to move this trial to Redwood in San Mandino County, which is about 50 miles away. And they believe that the people in Modesto already had their minds made up that Scott was guilty. There was, like, no change in the people of Modesto's mind. But I feel like they could have moved the trial to South Carolina, and he would have still got the same results. It's like... It was a trial by media case. And this trial would only get worse because they were moving it to the media hub of California. So it's like, mm, it's political to me. So it's like you basically, I mean, if we lived in Georgia, it's like, oh, instead of having the trial in this little bitty town right here, we're going to move Instead of having Georgia, let's go to Atlanta. Yeah. It's like, let's do it in Atlanta where we got CNN in the middle of town that's going to broadcast you everywhere. I mean, oh, they, they just had a field day with that. So during the first round of jury selections, almost 50% of the people got dismissed because they automatically was like, yep, he's guilty. And then a, another big majority got dismissed because when they asked, are you against the death penalty? And they said, yep. They're like, okay, goodbye. I feel like that's kind of wrong because legally they should have said, like, are you are you against it? If they said yes, then say, if he is found guilty of this crime, would you be opposed to the death penalty? But I kind of understand why they're just like, okay, you say you're against it because... I feel like if you're against it in the beginning, you're probably going to be against it if they are guilty. But it's still not, they're basically just putting people that are like gun-ho, like, yep, we're going to death penalty this guy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So after the jury was selected, most of them went home and Google searched Scott. And Google searched this case. Oh, wait a minute. They didn't, like, sequester these people. They were able to go home. So they went home and they did their own research. I feel like that's that, that was one thing that probably could have been the worst thing that happened. Because the media yeah. was not nice to Scott. So the trial began on June 1st, 2004. And anyone on Scott's side was very curious about what the prosecution would say, considering they had no DNA evidence and no physical evidence whatsoever that he had anything to do with this. And what they said was, Lacey was killed on the 23rd. He cleaned up and then moved her body the next morning. Wait a minute, but... 
they saw her the next morning, right? And then the media was there the next morning. Okay, so her family, her sister seen her the 23rd, the night of the 23rd, or around like 6 o'clock, they left. Okay. So he's saying after he had his hair cut, after she got off the phone with her mom around like 8.30, he killed her that night. Then the following morning, he loaded her in the back of his truck. And why would the dog be out on the leash instead of just chilling at the house? Yeah, but I don't know that part. I mean, that's important. That's important. I mean, that's kind of suspicious to bring more attention to it if the dog's just running around on the leash. Uh-huh. So, they said the reason why he killed her is because he did not want to be a father and he did not want to be a husband anymore. So, they laid it out that this is what happened and they were going to tell the court about all of Scott's other lies. And they said that he did not spend Christmas Eve with Lacey that morning. And that they never watched Martha Stewart. That he was just making all that stuff up. Like everything he said that they did that morning was all made up. She was already dead. She was dead. So the defense side got up and they said flat out. Like, you're not going to like my client. My client sucks. I mean, they didn't say that, but they basically, they implied it. They're like, you're not going to like him. You're probably going to hate him by the end of this. We're not saying he's the best guy, but I'm telling you, he's not a murderer. And so they go on and they say, prosecution lied to y'all. And they play a tape because Scott said, I watched Martha Stewart with my wife that morning. Martha Stewart was making some meringue thing. Prosecution said, you know, nope, they wasn't watching it. He he wasn't watching it. How would he know what aired on Martha Stewart that day? Well, defense got up and played the episode. And guess what? Martha Stewart was making some meringue cookies. And everybody was like, hmm. So the whole court hearing was kind of like back and forth jabs at each other. One would make a like "Mm -hmm," moment and then the other would burst their bubble. So another huge moment was when prosecution called a computer expert to the stand. They asked him about the computer activity on Scott's work computer, like emailing his boss, looking at the tool, blah, da, 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 da. So after they questioned him, they're like, no further questions. And then the defense comes up. Tamara, they asked him, was there any activity on the computer at the house? And since he's on the stand, he can't lie. And he said, "Uh, yeah, there was. Around 840, someone was looking up scarves and umbrellas. Someone, wait, 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 sun umbrellas. A scarf and a sunflower. I don't know umbrella. how that's important details, but I'm sure it is. If you put sunflower on. So that kind of like throws out the prosecution's whole thing that she was dead on the 23rd. It's like, what guy's looking up scarfs and sunflower umbrellas? So they're like, okay, well, maybe Scott looked at it, you know, maybe he did it. And then he's like, you know, covering his tracks. If Scott did it, Scott did not 
say anything to anybody about, hey, why don't you look at the computer at the house? I bet, I, I bet, I, I bet she was on it. I seen her on it. Scott didn't find out that there was activity on that computer until that moment he was sitting in the court and they said, was there any activity on this computer? So mid-trial, the defense was kind of kind of killing it and they were ahead until they started playing the tapes of Scott and Amber. It showed that Scott had zero problems lying. And he was able to make up a story. He was made able to just create his own little fantasy Scott world. And at the point, some jurors was like, yeah, it's over for Scott. Just because of those tapes. So defense thought they would show them that it was impossible to dump a 150-pound body over this tiny little boat without flipping it. Because you got to think. Try shoving me over that little bitty boat and you not tumbling over. It's not That's possible. true. I didn't fall over. That's heavy weight all on one side. Yeah. So they tested this theory four times in this boat. And they threw over some type, I'm going to say like a dummy, but it was just basically like something that weighed and probably the length that Lacey would be, you know, kind of like throwing it overboard. And two of those times, the guy nearly drowned. Like, every single time he threw this, what should be a body overboard, the boat flipped over. And two of those times, he nearly drowned. So, they brought it to the judge. We're like, hey, we're going to submit this. And the judge is like, no, I'm not going to let that information come into the courtroom. I'm like, I feel like that's pretty important information. It's like the judge said no about the testing. Yes. No. He said no, no, Mm-mm. no, not gonna happen. A another important thing that happened in the case was the time of death of Connor. Prosecution brought somebody on the stand that said Connor died on the 24th. The defense brought somebody who said Connor died on the 29th. So, this showed that Connor would have lived five extra days. So, if Connor lived five extra days, there's no way it could have been Scott that killed him. No way. And this is where the whole, like, wah, wah, wah moment comes for the defense. The guy broke down on the stands. Like, I guess he's never been in this situation where he's on a high-profile case and he's being cross-examination. But he breaks down and tells everyone to just give him a break. And after that point. Who? Scott? No, the guy on the stand that's saying that he believes Connor lived for five extra days. He like has a breakdown and is like, just give me a break. You know, I don't, I, I, I don't know. Like he broke down. And after that, everybody was just like, yeah, we kind of stopped listening to him. Like, he just, no. And the way the case ended was the defense said, we're going to show you that he didn't do it. There's no evidence to even back up that he did do it. And then 
prosecution said they were going to put all their eggs into the affair and they hung up a picture of Lacey alone at a Christmas party when Scott was with Amber. So then the jury comes back with a guilty verdict and sentences him to death. In 2012, Scott had a new team of attorneys and they started the appeal process. It wasn't until 2020 of this year that Scott's death penalty was overturned. So, Tamara, do you want to hear some theories of what could have happened? So, between 1999 and 2002, seven pregnant women in the Modesto area went missing. Three That's in- suspicious. That is That's suspicious. weird. So, three in the actual town of Modesto went missing. Four in the surrounding area. And I, I want to say it was like less than 100 miles, 50 miles or something or another went missing one pregnant lady went missing around six months before Lacey did and I don't know if she was in the town or if she was in the surrounding area but that's still kind of suspicious that's suspicious that's weird then on Christmas Eve another pregnant lady who was working in her shop she saw guys staring at her and she got freaked out so she ran inside and hid to call for her she ran inside because i think she was outside of her shop so she ran inside she called for help and she believes if she went and ran inside and hid from them and called for help that she would have been lacy that day because that was the same day lacy went missing but yet they start. Yes, they do. So this town of Modesto is known for murder, meth, and auto theft. So like I told you earlier, the house across the street was broken into. And there were multiple witnesses saying they saw Lacey talking to two guys. So maybe she stuck her nose into something and they took her. Her family originally said that that would be something that Lacey would do. But the cop never followed up on any of those tips. That's stupid. None of those tips. Over 20 witnesses saw Lacey walking through the neighborhood and in the park that morning. One witness said that she heard a man yell, shut that dog up. And guess what, Tamara? Zero people were followed up with. After the police got the time frame of Karen, they scrapped any and all tips because they found who they want and they're like oh easy case done sealed we figured it out yep. case closed less yep. work we have to do yep they received another tip that Lacey was taken by a, sat- a satanic cult a furniture store owner reported that cops called him about the disappearance and said that he heard a cult was being ran out of his building He told them that he had never heard of such thing, and that was the end of the cult theory for the cops. Scott's lawyer suggested that there could be a link between Lacey and the unsolved case of another pregnant woman, Evelyn Hernandez, who went missing on May 1st, 2002 in San Francisco. He said both of these dates marked the holy dates on the satanic calendar. 
and both of the women were missing their arms, feet, and head when they were found. That's suspicious. That's weird. suspicious. And then the last theory is someone abducted Lacey while she was walking her dog and then framed Scott for the crime. The theory is that whoever took Lacey during the walk could have got the idea to frame Scott from all the media frenzy around the disappearance. So I see this one. <laughs> yep, it's this one. This is the theory. So it could have been easy to know that Scott went on a fishing trip that day with all the police telling his location and then them pick the spot to dump the body. So I'm waiting to see if Scott gets a new trial. They're talking about getting him one since it wasn't a technically a fair trial. Well, no, and they have no evidence and we're supposed to hold them. So I don't know. What do you think? Do you think Scott is guilty? Do you think he's No, I think that was or? the last one. I think he was spraying. It was a cop. It was a cop who did it, and they they all backing up all the other cops, and they're like, "Yeah, this is good. We got we got it covered up." I personally do not think that it is the cult theory. I mean, there is like with the arms and the body, head and everything being missing, kind of like. Mm-hmm. But that many I, pregnant women missing around that same area, there's somebody looking for them. I feel like and that perfect chance. To have the media explain to frame him and be like, hmm. I feel like she was kidnapped maybe by either the people that were breaking into the house or whoever's kidnapping yep. all the pregnant women. And then or maybe it's the same ones. Maybe mm-hmm. they're breaking in or they're breaking in to find pregnant women and they would have broke into the wrong house thinking it was hers. They got it mixed up because it's straight across the street. Yeah. I feel like it's either it was the two guys that broke in the house or just whoever's break or taking the pregnant women and then they kind of end up framing Scott by dumping the body where they knew he was and to frame him. That's my Where is he now? Still in jail. Where? In California. But yeah, that's that's the Lacey and Scott case. So tell them where they should find us at. On Facebook. At TCWI Discussion Group. <laughs> She's saying bye. <laughs> On Instagram. At TCWI underscore podcast underscore. Um, on our Patreon page at patreon backslash the crimes we're into or you can go to the link on our website which is the crimes we're into.com bye bye <laughs>